you were like, I mean, what was you? They did. They, you, you were like, I don't know. From ba 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 All right, this is the 18th episode of the eltoro.com podcast. Something like Sounds that. Sounds right. I think that's right. All right, so we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to wrap this up quick because I got to go look at this suit shit. From El Toro Studios, brought to you by eltoro.com, the only one to one, one hundred percent cookie free IP targeting solution. This is the Straight from the Bull podcast. Thank you for tuning into the 18th episode of the eltoro.com podcast. I am David Stadler here with my host Austin Whiteley DJ Oz, and today. We are here with a very good friend of mine, an associate, associate and friend, a friend and associate. How should we even word that? Kind Which of one thing? is first? Which one is second? I don't know uh, because I mean I feel like we had a professional relationship. I'd call you a friend now. I mean, it, I think it, we're we buddies we first. Yeah, I met, I met you in Bates' office first. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it's probably definitely started out as buddies. If you met us back then, then it's it's totally different. You guys are technically bros now. <laughs> I already digress. Good friend of mine, Jordan Yoakum, is here. He is well. Literally <laughs> dozens of live studio audience members. It's percolating in here. It's yeah. hot. It's crazy. There's, There's a lot of body heat. Stop breathing, audience. <laughs> it's weird. It's really weird. So, professionally, Jordan Yoakum is a haberdasher and clothier. I don't think that title really does him justice, though. Jordan works with a variety of different professionals who understand the value of their time. And by tending to their clothing needs, Jordan becomes a resource for added time and confidence in their lives. Now, in 2008, Jordan was introduced to Tom James through a professor from his college days. And at the time, Jordan was the youngest producer this organization had ever hired. And of a global enterprise with almost 1,000 revenue-jitterating representatives, Jordan is in the top five of revenue producers. Hot damn! Yeah, buddy. I mean, hot stuff in here. Jordan has procured his work ethic from his father, who would allow Jordan to work for whatever his heart desired, as long as it was the family tire store. Um, So during his formative years, Jordan was able to develop a fastidious attention to detail. He understood the importance of listening and communicating with customers. And he also learned the gratification that comes from a hard day's work to support your family. You know, the downside to having a workaholic parent is not having your parent at home on as many nights and weekends as you would like. So the work that Jordan does, it allows his customers to spend extra nights and weekends focusing on what really matters, and that's family. If he can give someone an extra Saturday or an extra night throwing the ball with their kids, then he did his job well. So... Through Jordan's approach to clothing, uh, to clothing his clients in in well-fitted custom garb, you know, he becomes a bit more of a confidence broker. It's kind of like what uh, Deion Sanders used to say. I mean, it's definitely a quote from Deion Sanders, if I'm not mistaken. Showtime. If you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. If you play good, they pay good. (laughs) And I can't think of really a more adequate description to talk about you know, what Jordan actually provides his clients. Is that about right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, You're know, on it. you gave me some notes there, but I feel like I took a couple of liberties and, um, you know. I think when he walked in, like, sharp-dressed man by ZZ Top, it just started playing <laughs> in my head. It's really weird. Like, Damn. Not dude. a lot of people have somebody following behind them with a boombox, but Jordan definitely <laughs> On the shoulder. Does. Yeah, what do you pay that kid, by the uh, way? No, no, He just works for tips. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he came into the wrong office, bro. Child labor. <laughs> Child labor like the, like the daddy right there. You know, but, most people, when I walk in here, they think I'm your attorney or something, right? Oh, that's that, that that's cool. Um, well, I don't want them getting the same clothes that I get. So I guess I guess now the cat's out of the bag. Uh, Jordan and I we've known each other for quite a while now, uh, probably since I don't know 2011, give or take. Um, I am a client of his, uh, good buddies now. Um, but yeah, Jordan's kind of been uh, making sure that my clothing stays right for quite some time. So I appreciate that, and thank you for coming in today course now stadler and the crew here they don't they don't wear suits often or dress up often because it's kind of casual right now jeans and a t-shirt super underdressed if i'm in a room with jordan but if somebody doesn't wear a suit often they kind of look uncomfortable in it but every time these guys look you know cool as a cucumber 
Because so. they feel good in it. Exactly mm. right. Showtime. Mm. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Just to kind of give you guys insight as to how we're as loose as we are on these microphones. Loose as a goose. I mean, they came straight from Michael Jackson. We are sipping on a little bit of bourbon today. Yeah, that's an okay sound bite, but that's a natural cork. It's a uh, shitty cork. I mean, it is what it is. Those synthetic corks pop harder. We are drinking bourbon today. We are drinking on Eagle Rare out of the Buffalo Trace Distillery. So let's all appreciate this just a little bit here. Is that the sound bite you guys were looking for there? <laughs> smells good. <laughs> all right, so I, I kind of... When I smell this, I, you know, I, I guess the tasters would be the aroma. They would say the aroma. I taste a little bit of citrus, a little, or I smell a little bit of citrus. I smell a little bit of oak, um, maybe something sweet in there, honey, give or take. But the flavor is a little bit, I think, I think the aroma is misleading as to the taste. I think it comes across quite a bit more bold and in your face than you expect when you get a whiff off of this. It's pretty delicate. There's no kick at all in this. Yeah, I, I, I dig it, man. I, I think it's delicate. I think it's a little bit dry. Um, but I, I taste kind of a little bit of cocoa flavor on it. But, you know, hell, I could just be looking at my flavor <laughs> wheel and trying to insert something here. Right, let me read off the, the first <clears throat> sentence of the back of the bottle here. All right, let's, let's, let's so do Keep that. in mind, this is Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare. Indeed. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm. The cornerstones of the birth of a nation. Damn. Epitomized <laughs> by the American bald eagle. Gosh. You know what that says to me? America. Yeah. If you don't like America, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you damn right. Gosh, I feel patriotic. I got a chill up my spine when you read that, this dude. Is like, this is like 4th of July right That makes me feel December. good. Can you give like an announcement at the next 4th of July party and just, you know... I'd give one right now. Tell everybody what the fuck's up. It's, it's summer in Brazil, so... But I mean, I, I think the finish kind of sticks with you a little bit on the outsides of your tongue. Um, it lets you know you drank some bourbon a couple minutes ago. If you burp a little bit later, somebody will probably be like... Your, your spouse will probably be like, ooh... Yeah, don't drink this at the gym you party. You smell sexy. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody has ever said that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, on this podcast, we do a lot of conversation uh, about process, about sales, about entrepreneurship. So, Jordan, we talk to a lot of folks that, you know, are kind of fresh out of school. Mm -hmm. um, and you are one of the few people that I would consider to be like a, an, a highly effective truly capable sales rep and i mean that in a in a very nice way but it's thank you it's funny because I, I see a lot of people coming out of school and you talk about sales to them and it's almost like it's taboo <laughs> you know sales rep i don't want to be a sales rep you know i want to i want to you know lead in business and i want to be mm -hmm. in you know marketing or or, or whatever and I want to build gingerbread houses in the Amazon rainforest <laughs> to help broken down children. Drink another one. Yeah, <laughs> but it's one of those things. It's almost like it's a taboo, and and they don't understand the fact that you know you're coming out of school. Everybody sells something to a certain right. extent. You know what would you say? I mean, hell, in all the years that I've been working, in eighteen years, um, I, I think I've met four true salespeople, and I I I, I think this is a career path that folks can make a ton of money. I think that these are skill sets that are highly transferable to a lot of different businesses. Uh, what would you say to kind of a kid coming out of school these days, trying to figure out where they want to, you know, kind of make their way if they want to kind of escalate a bit faster than their peers would? I think the biggest thing that could ever be beneficial to somebody coming out of school is to have work experience in serving like serving tables, waiting tables. And if not that, go work at like a go work at some type of a retail store just so you can get the mindset of how it is to serve somebody because you're always going to be serving somebody and it completely takes you out of the entitlement mindset. Like if you're having to serve, you uh, you lose your entitlement. And most people that I find that are young are entitled. They were told by their parents if I you're get so a degree, smart. you're going to make 100 grand coming out of a school and it's all going to be done. I talk to classes four times a semester at Western Kentucky University. I ask every class how many people have a job when they're getting out of school. Mind you, I'm talking to seniors. Out of 40 to 50 people, I get two hands raised. Oh, my gosh. Sounds about right. Good luck paying back debt. And then these people are graduating two months away, four months away, six months away. And then also on that, I ask how many people have had work experience, like actual work experience have less than a tenth of the class raise their hand. And it's like, if you, somebody has to do something, you should have to serve. You should have to go work somewhere to graduate college. 
Seriously. And, and I mean, we talk about, you know, having a servant's mentality. And I, I don't mean that in a negative sense. And sometimes it comes across that way. And we, we had this conversation with um, a, a young lady that came in here a couple of weeks ago, Claire Alasia, who is another one of the four uh, that I know. And you're a rare breed. I mean, Claire Alasia <laughs> walks on water for mm-hmm. the record. Nicest lady <laughs> uh, in the world. She is the nicest and coolest coolest gal you will ever know, uh, for the record. She talked a little bit about that servant's mentality and, you know, putting other people first. And that's something that comes across in your world. I mean, you talk about folks needing experience before they come out of school, but having that mentality, having that willingness to serve, I mean, it's evident in your actions on a day-to-day basis, but in, in terms of the traits that you think a good professional should have, having that, where would you put that? Rank it in the top X number. The servant mentality is in the top two. What is the top two? I think number one would be knowing what you want and why you want it, knowing your why. And I think after you know your why, then you'll put yourself in a servant mindset of if you help everybody get what they want, they'll you'll get what you want. You'll get exactly What's what you want. What's your number one then? My number one why? Mm-hmm. Well, my biggest why comes from how I was raised. I was raised from a hard-ass dad. He was awesome in regards <laughs> to... I hated him my entire life growing up because he used to make me work when everybody else was playing sports. Sure. He made me work every weekend in the tire store. That's what I had to do. That's how he didn't have to pay overhead because I got to work for free. Nice. So, Good dad. Smart man. That's why you have kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hated I hated him for that. But then after I went to college, I loved him for it because I, I, I was surrounded by nothing but lazy people. Just lazy <laughs> people. It's like we have 15 hours of class, and it's like, what do we do with the rest of our time? Drink. <laughs> hey, at Western, Xbox. that's pretty much it. <laughs> so, but you understand the what goes to the why is my dad wasn't around growing up. He was always at work. He worked every weekend, seven days a week. He was always at work. Work became before his family. So he bought me anything I wanted as long as I worked. Anything. But I had to work. And he did anything we wanted to do as long as we worked. But I would much rather trade all that to have a dad. So sure. my big, my biggest why was how can I provide somebody, a client of mine, a busy, high-producing guy or female to be home with their kids and actually spend time with their kids while being high-performance. My why is getting people home and able to be dads, be moms. And that may seem very just kind of sideways compared to what I really do. But, I mean, what we do day to day, but that's really big because I remember how it was for me. We've spoken a little bit about what you do in generalities, haberdasher, clothier. <laughs> I prefer the haberdasher term because it's Most people school. call me the suit guy. The suit guy, and that works too. Um, but you work for a larger conglomerate that right. does uh, quite a bit of bespoke clothing. So tell us what Tom James does and what specifically you do for Tom James Custom Clothing. So what Tom James does is the tagline is we come to you with fine clothing. So what we specialize in is saving busy people time by coming to their office center or home to take care of their clothing. And that may be suits, that may be sport coats, that may be jeans, that may be casual clothes, that may be flip-flops. I don't know what it is. We do everything but gym clothes. So the biggest thing we do is we provide a service by just taking care of people's clothes. And the byproduct of that is... We help with their confidence. Because when you put stuff on, you feel awesome. And when you feel awesome, you perform, just like you said about Dion. But people don't really know that until they have it. Like your favorite pair of jeans, mm-hmm. favorite pair of shoes, favorite shirt. And, like, you wear it as much as you can until it's gone. But what I bring to the table is the favorite of everything. Everything's the same. So just the confidence of grabbing and going. Yeah. So that's what Tom James does. What I do is I, I hold a few different hats in the Louisville market. I'm a producer as well as a recruiter, as well as a coach. So producing-wise, I take care of usually 12 to 15 appointments a day with clients, Monday through Friday. And recruiting-wise, I go to Western a couple times a semester just naturally to recruit. Primarily the reason I go there was because when I was in school, nobody helped anybody get jobs. And I'm like, hey, you're paying all this money. Like, come on, point us in the right direction, especially a millennial. Seriously. Mind you, you know I'm a millennial. I'm on the cusp of being, I am a millennial. And most millennials, hey, need their handheld, need to be told what to do. They're not analytical thinkers. It's like, come on, help somebody get a job. So the reason I go back to school is to give people an outlet. Mm-hmm. Maybe not through Tom James, but I have them ride with me 
And if they ride with me one day, they're exposed to 14 or 15 businesses. A lot of people get jobs from those businesses as well as coach. So I just coach other people around the country. I'm, I've gotten pretty good at getting home at night between 5.30 and 6. That's and fantastic. So I used to work till 8 or 9 every night, uh, but I just had some health issues. I had a mild stroke symptoms twice. Jesus. And then I made... going strong. <laughs> Well, I just well, had the stroke, but I had to make this meeting. <laughs> Let me get this measurement. Real well, well, quick. here, hey, I'm going to piggyback on something here. So we were talking about subservient mindset of mm-hmm. a servant. So I took that to a different level of servant. Of I had to do whatever everybody asked me to do. So I had this burden on my shoulders that I need to do what anybody asked me to do, and that's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Is when you work with somebody with empathy that has rationality, they'll never ask you to do something irrational. And I was working with a lot of irrational people asking me to do irrational things. And I felt that with a servant mindset, I had to do those things. And those things were kind of outlandish. The, the time frames that people wanted me to do stuff, where they uh. wanted me to be, wanted, wanted miracles happen, wanted a, a suit that takes 16 weeks. Mind you, most of our suits don't, but yeah. our highest end might take 12 to 16. They want something like that done in two days. Like, <laughs> and just being completely irrational about it. And... I used to take all that inside and have it on my shoulders, and one day I woke up, and my face just drooped. I woke up, my whole face was numb. And then I went to the doctor, and she was just like, you got to quit your job. She's like, you got to quit. You got to find something else to do. She's like, I have so many more people that are clients of mine that make twice, if not three times the amount of money you do that have no stress. So then I went back, and I essentially got rid of every irrational client. I just quit calling on them. And I started only working with people that have like-minded mentalities that think the same, all my stress just went away. So then all of a sudden it was happy. I was happy to serve. I was happy to help because I was working with people that I loved. And then all of a sudden the stress just went away. And because the stress went away, I put boundaries up. Like I'm getting home at 530. I'll tell a client that has kids. They get it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, sorry, I'm not working at seven. I'm going home. Got kids. They get it. Any parent gets that. Yeah. Yeah, That's fantastic. So then like, so going the coach route is I teach a lot of people on how to manage your schedule, put up boundaries. So that's my three hats at Tom James. Very interesting. I, I mean, and that's something that's that's a fantastic skill to have. And I mean, especially if you want to pursue a career path that, you know, kind of enables you to have a, a certain amount of autonomy. Now, obviously, you know, the level of autonomy you have increases with the level of revenue that you generate. I Truth. mean, a guy like you that's top five out of a thousand sales reps, give or take, um, you know, you're going to experience quite a bit more autonomy than somebody that is 999. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand. If you want that autonomy, if you want the capacity to say, hey, I'm not going to take any calls after six o'clock. I mean, you've got to be efficient and effective with your timing. Uh, I mean, I guess kind of walk me through a day. I'm pretty much my sales coach calls me a robot. And I actually admire that she calls me that because she says, she says this as well as my CEO, CEO has said this and my president has said this is I'm somebody that they never have to worry about what am I doing. They could look at what time it is and they know exactly what I'm doing. And I admire that because wouldn't you want to have 15 people that you just know they're doing their job and you never have to think? So certainly I usually am up out of bed between 445 and 515 every day. Mm-hmm. I usually am at my office by 630 every day. So at 6.30, I do what's called rat killing. So what rat killing is, is let's say you you email me the day before and say, hey, on my new pair of jeans, can you make those a half inch shorter? I don't have to do that right now. I'll do it tomorrow morning when I'm in my office. Mm -hmm. Or let's say you email me and say, hey, can you send me a pair of shoes? I don't have to do that right now in the middle of the day. I'll do that tomorrow morning in the office. I take care of all the little stuff that just adds up that could be done the next day in the morning. I do that from about 6.30 to 7. Me and one of the assistants will load the car. Like, we make sure everybody's prepped, all the clothing's prepped. We measure everything before it goes out. We make sure everything has ties it needs to. We make sure everything's there. It's all pressed. Nice. Put it in the car in order. And usually I'm out the door between 745 and 8, and I'm at my first appointment at 815 or 830. Sometimes it, sometimes on Tuesdays I'll meet people at 7 or 730, but most times 815, 830. And I go all day long until 445, 5, 530, and I try to make my last appointment close to home, and I just go on home. And so every single day we do appointments back to back. I don't do anything else but work during the day. Because in my mind, if I work during the day seeing clients, I don't feel guilty by not taking a phone call at six o'clock at night. 
Yeah. I don't feel guilty not working on the weekends. Like, I did my work. Doctors, if you have the flu, <laughs> you can't go see them at 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> They'll be like, we can, we can fit you in at 10. Yeah, and that's if, it. If, if it's an emergency, go to the ER. Correct. Go to somebody else. <laughs> so, so it's like I work in that tight bubble of time, and that's it. I don't do any more work. That's like, that may seem very brash, but I won't. I don't think that sounds brash. I think that sounds methodical. It sounds calculated. It sounds like you've got a pretty rigorous schedule in front of you every single day. Because uh, there's a lot of people that I talk to on a day-in, day-out basis you know, hell, I don't, I don't, shit, I don't wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I mean, dude, even when I'm working out in the morning, I ain't waking up at five o'clock. Uh, I'm a five thirty kind of guy. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, my ass. But, I don't uh, believe that at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, dude, I get the kid ready in the morning. Dude, me and the dude, we okay. hang out, eat cereal, watch TV, you chill. If you get up that early, morning. you can take your time. Jude Thompson was on our podcast, and he had a long conversation about it. Wake up early enough that you can drink two cups of coffee and relax and collect your thoughts and not have anything going on in the background and just just be, center yourself a little bit. And I think that little aspect of meditation in the morning as I'm waiting for my son to wake up, you know, I think it's fantastic. I think it's cathartic. You know you're using a lot of $5 words. I mean, dude, Carrollton, where I'm from, there's not a lot of $5 words. That's my life, bro. <laughs> I, I mean, I try to use colorful language in my approach to its delivery. But, I mean, you got a specific process yeah. in the way you consult with your clients. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that process from prospecting to the initial consult to, to order to delivery um, and how that kind of works in with your day. I get clients a few different ways. So in the beginning when I first started, we were required to knock on a 1,000 businesses and find out who owns this place, who works here, what we do. I used to call those people. That's what I used to do. So what I do now is most of my clients come on Friday nights and Saturday nights. I get a lot of text messages of from like you, David. You would text me and say, hey, I'm at so-and-so drinking a beer, so-and-so like my sport coat, call on Monday. I get a lot of that stuff. I think it's just because people know I do a good job for the other yeah. person. But I ask clients to do that when I meet them. I'll, go, I'll get into that point too in a minute. Um, that's one way. I, I have feeder lists I show to almost every client, at least once a year of showing of friends, hey, on this list, who might be a friend? You saw one last time I was with you, you circled three people on it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah you don't remember. Damn. <laughs> He's smooth. Yeah, so, he is. He's pretty <laughs> slick in that approach. But uh, the biggest thing is this may seem very simple, but I try to see a new person every day. Mm-hmm. So by doing that, I have to actively always be looking for new people. So guilty by association type people. So for you... Austin may be a prospect because he's friends with you, guilty by association. Mm-hmm. You all do the same thing in the That's same circles. Fault, I may say, That's your fault. I may say, hey, you care if I call in Austin? You think he might be a good prospect? You may say yes. The next day I call him, try to meet him the next day and go from there. So then once I meet somebody for the first time, it's a lot of just uncovering what they like, what they don't like, what they're trying to achieve clothing-wise. Most things that guys have never thought about ever, and I'm making them think about it right now. And mind control. <laughs> just trying to figure out what they want. And a lot of times amongst the way, somebody will just say, hey, you know, it'd be ideal if somebody just showed up and told me what to wear. I'd like to see a couple times a year and you just tell me to get this and this. I'm like, oh, I can do that. I think most men need that. Well, I agree. Well, the funniest thing, you say that, most of the time when I start asking these questions, almost every time I get some of these answers that are almost uniform from a guy being like, hey, dude, I just want somebody to take care of it. I want to make this easy that I can just match it all. And I'm like, I can do that. Dude, that's I, I, dude. I love that about your process, and you know the fact that, hey man, I just got this new fabric in. You should get a shirt made from it. <laughs> yes. How many trunk shows have I had that I just text you and you can't make it, and you're like, just pick me out something. I mean, yeah, you know that's you know that's how I because because you know everything that I yeah. uh, that I own for the most part. So it's like, hey, this is gonna match this suit, this suit, this suit, mm-hmm. and it doesn't clash with the other stuff you have. So buy it. And you're right most of the time, and it, it doesn't. You know, sometimes a sales rep's going to call you and, you know, from for a variety of different items and it's going to feel like a money grab. Correct. It doesn't feel like a money grab, you know, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't really care because it's something that I ever need. And, you know, if it, if it ain't fresh, it's stale, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, so going back, we did, I covered a little bit of prospecting. There's more down that path. I covered a little bit of the front end with the client. The next is setting the expectations of, there's no such thing as perfect. What? When people think of something, you know what a custom home is? 
<laughs> I know how long it takes. So, but you know what? Even with a custom home, after you've spent whatever amount of money you did on a custom home, there's a punch list. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's always a punch list, and there's always things you wish you would have done. So when people hear custom, they think of perfect, and there's no such thing as perfect in this entire world other than our wives. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Our wives. Thoroughly beautiful, beautiful, our wives beautiful are, Our wives are perfect. Um, Man. My so, wife doesn't listen. I don't Fortunate. I'm very fortunate. <laughs> so so setting the expectations of like, hey, this is the first time we've worked together. I've listened to you. I've taken your measurements. I'm going to take these things and put them together. And it's going to come in for a fitting. And I promise you when we do a fitting, you'll probably want me to change something. All I ask is as you wear this, keep telling me what you want me to change. So over time, we really dial in what you want. So I actively invite you to tell me, text me, call me, email me anytime you want something changed. And I'll just make that on my pattern on your end. So anytime we order something at the factory, it's made that way. Because most guys don't need something shortened a quarter inch right now. They're just telling me next time to do it. Yeah. And the next time they get it, and that's what they want. And then we just slowly, over the course of time, you're fully dialed in and you get what you want. So then, so that's it. Setting expectations, meeting client fitting client. Then after somebody's worked with me three or four times, I actually consider them a client. Like, hey, they're bought in. And then people kind of said how they want me to work with them. Mm -hmm. Like, Stadler, you're a three-time-a-year guy. You've always been that guy. You'll come to one of the trunk shows, and I see you sometime when it's cold and sometimes when it's hot. I just set that up with people. And a lot of times, some clients don't want to see me anymore. They just text me. They're like, just text me. Send me ideas of what I want. Deliver it. Ship it to me. Well, hell, this past weekend, I sent you a picture of a pair of shoes. I was like, hey, man, these are my derby shoes. Build a suit. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I got that. And, and now I've, he's, he's got, I mean, we're, we're going to talk salesy stuff here in a little bit. So, so then is pumped right now. I'm jacked, bro. You should see these kicks. So that's so that's a general, <laughs> general client. So now we've got a client that's worked with me three or four times. So then when I tell every client I work with is, hey, I don't expect you to buy from me every time you see me. Don't expect you have to. All I ask is that if you ever see somebody or think of anybody that might like what I do, text me. I'll call them. If anybody compliments you at a wedding or at the bar or something, show them the inside of your jacket. Show them the lining. Tell them who you got it from. Send me their info. I'll call them. That's how I build a lot of the business. So that goes all the way back to the prospecting side. And I'm not trying to add 20 or 30 clients a month. My goal is just 10 clients a month. So that's in 20 selling days in a month, that's one every other day. (laughs) So if I see one new person a day, if you flip a quarter 20 times, you should hit heads 10. So even with low sales talent level, I should get 10 just from showing up. <laughs> hey, man, it's a numbers game, though. Yeah, I, a lot I mean, of large numbers. Everybody needs a suit. So. Well, you know, the biggest thing is when I first got in this industry, suits was what we did, and it's what we don't do now. And that doesn't seem that we don't do suits. Is My suit sales have been exactly the same the last three years. The people that wear them always get them. Every other year, a client gets a fresh updated suit. Just updated, it's modern. What It's what you're seeing on TV, what you're seeing on ESPN, Golf Channel, something. <laughs> but the bulk of my business is slacks and shirts. Yeah. I sell a crap ton of sport coats, and I sell a crap ton of jeans and shorts and polos. Everything but suits. Custom-made jeans, man. That's a whole new freaking world, bro. I, mean, I know. This is That's over my head. You, you tasted the addiction a few months I ago. I did. It was, it's, it's messed up, man. <laughs> I will I will have to give a shout out. Blue Delta does do awesome with their custom blue jeans. Yeah, they do. It is what it is. Blue Delta doesn't sponsor us. But they could. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta experience this. This sounds like I know, promised dude. land. It is the promised land, dude. I, yeah, I mean. When you taste it, it's good. <laughs> it's like pizza. You takes a slice, you want a second? <laughs> your wife looks at you and she's like, damn, your butt looks good in those. Ooh. And I was like, what butt? <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say that. <laughs> All right. So it sounds like you have to treat every client kind of like they're colorblind or most of them so they can just put in mix, mix and match and then it's going to work out. And then also the last thing you want is for somebody down the road is to put a suit or slacks or anything on and them think, I'm not completely comfortable in this. Correct. But how do you balance a client's wants with what they really need? Like, is it a game of customer's comfort versus your professional eye and expertise? At the end of the day, they're going to look worse if you do exactly what they want. Is that where you step in or do you just give them what they want and say, hey, here's a disclaimer. This is not what I would do. So I'm a believer is if it feels good, it is good. So that may not be what you want to hear, but everybody wants their stuff to fit different. And the crazy thing is a lot of clients work with me now because they get clothing that can fit looser, 
Whereas when I first started, people wanted stuff to fit tighter. So what I do for people that, you know, they may want a certain thing versus what I think they need is when we do the fitting, I show them what it could be. So let's say if they want a jacket really full and loose, which a lot of guys want that full loose effect that are older, but you can't buy that at a store right now. You can't walk into one store in a mall and buy a full cut suit. Skinny hmm. Not right now. You can't go to anywhere in Louisville, Kentucky and buy a full cut suit. Everything has some form of a slender Italian fit right now because that's what the market's driving for the younger sales force coming out. I wouldn't know because I go through Jordan. <laughs> it works for me. So what I do is the guys that want a fuller cut suit, We, we uh, fortunately you saw my monstrous iPad. If not, Stadler's seen it. Is I will take a picture of somebody and then I'll pin their suit to where it could be like slimmer and I show them the pictures. I'm like, do you want this or this? And whatever they pick, I give it to them. No matter what, I always do. Because it's like our Jim McEachern, our founder, you just said, you find out what they want, just give it to them no matter what. Always tell them what it could be, but don't tell them it has to be that way. A lot okay. of people work with me because they want loose, baggy stuff. By all means, I can have it. Saw a guy last week, he said, Jordan, I want Michael Jordan-legged pants. And I was like, you can have it, man. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. That's yeah, basically it's MC idea. Hammer pants that Crazy go all the way bag. down. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you saw, uh, I don't know if you saw Michael Jordan at his like, Hall of Fame induction speech, but that was that Fly was one of the, No, it was an ill-fitting <laughs> yeah, suit. It was like, terrible, dude. Yeah, like the sideways beret. He on looks like he, it's like a zoot suit. Man. I mean, I don't understand There's why. Wrong with I'm it. sure he paid, you know, twenty grand. For I guarantee it, he paid. 20 he looked grand. like a damn fool. Well, you can't go buy that at a store, so I guarantee. Yeah, he paid money looked for like it. shit. I just know it was a bad speech. <laughs> if I really think somebody's making a bad decision, I will tell them. I'll write down exactly what I felt and date it. How how important is this notebook to you as a, as a sales rep and just. You know, what I'm telling you is one of the most important things I have in my business is I can look back at every meeting Stadler and I have ever had and look at anything we've ever talked <laughs> about. The reason why is your mind only has so much horsepower to process things in a day. And it's one less thing I have to remember. Four gigabytes of RAM. I told you this before this yeah, cat came I was, in I was here. seeing if he'd say it. No, it's like, <laughs> it's like I, was, I was testing Stadler's you only, opinion. You only, have so much, you only have so much capacity to process things. So when I put it on paper, I don't have to remember it. Before every appointment, I review. I plan for every meeting. I'll go back 10 meetings and look at what we talked about. 10 meetings usually spans three to four years. Hmm. So it's like, let's see what we talked about, what we haven't covered, what we need to cover. And I've seen you engage in a lot of these habits, and I think it makes you incredibly effective in catering to your client needs. I mean, you just mentioned you take notes. What are some of the habits that you really engage in and you review those notes? What are some of the other habits that you engage in that make you incredibly effective? There's there's three habits I have. And by doing these three keystone habits, I make sure that everything else takes care of itself. So if you do these three things, everything else will take care of itself. So no matter what, every single day, I won't go home without a full schedule for the next day. So what that means is I will do whatever activity it takes to make sure I have a full schedule. That may mean I have to make 50 dials and 50 texts and 50 emails. That may mean that I have to send out 150 texts to fill six slots. That It's whatever it takes. That's my mentality. Is whatever it takes to fill that time is whatever it takes. So that's the first one. I said this earlier. I see a new prospect every day. To do that, you have to ask for referrals. You have to be referable. And then the third keystone habit is I won't go home unless I see 10 people a day. Ever so sorry, honey. Sorry, can't but, come but, home. But then, but what, I'll see what you I, tomorrow. But what I but what I said earlier is I'll get home between five thirty and six. So it's yeah. like I immediately go from efficient brain to effective brain. Like I got to do the right things at the right time to see these people. So first of all, I don't set flaky appointments that cancel. Now, granted, I know stuff happens, but like most of the time, people don't cancel. Yeah. I have their clothes. They want to see me, dude. I've been on the phone <laughs> while you are you know, getting measurements on me and things like that, dude, you work around us. Uh, and that's I just cater to people. I have to get my stuff done. They need to get their stuff done. The unfortunate thing is if somebody cancels an appointment, I usually can't see them for two weeks. Yeah. Because the schedule's oh. booked out. Word. And I feel Busy bad people. about that. <laughs> I feel bad about that. But a dentist, if you miss your appointment, you're done for two months. Dude, yeah. Are you saying Jordan Yoakum doesn't have sick days? <laughs> no, I don't. Hell I've yeah. taken off three days in 10 years. Why you're a top five producer of <laughs> thousand? A top five producer, man. Oh, it's like Damn. I take a lot of vitamins. 
I'd like to reference a study done uh, oh, through the Mayo Clinic that indicates that vitamins are not effective. Placebo. <laughs> hey, man, perception is reality. Correct, it feels right? good, if, do if, it. If, if it's the placebo effect and it works, man, go for it. <laughs> so, th- I mean, those are my main Unless habits. It's crack. Yeah, you shouldn't smoke crack. No, nah, I know that. <laughs> I don't think I'd be married if I smoked crack. Yeah, none of us. I probably wouldn't be effective in my job. Nah, probably not. <laughs> this hey, looks great. We twitching. Hey, man. We twitching. <laughs> Is the dream just to be all referrals? No, 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 no. Uh, why, why not? Uh, so I try to do what I call, this may seem, no, it doesn't. I call it a cold call kill. It's like every single month I try to get one cold call client. And the reason why is I mentor people that I tell them they need to go do what I originally did in the beginning. And I hate when people say, oh, back in my day, I used to do this, but I don't anymore. I'm a believer. You got to walk the walk you talk. So if I'm asking them to go cold call, I've got to go cold call. Sure. So what I do with most of that is I do a lot of emailing and texting and stuff. I don't physically call a lot of these people, but I try to do a cold call kill every single month because my business is about circles. So like Stadler, I mean, we talked earlier about how I met you. It was through a guy named last name Bates, and through him it was through a sales coach who I met through a cold call. And that's percolated to you, which then you percolated to Dan, and there's four other people you've introduced me to. So there's circles. And if you're a busy, high-performance person, you're not with a ton of new people all the time. You stay in your circle. So a lot of times I have to get that cold call to get new circles of referrals because they introduced me to a whole new circle. Because if they weren't a cold call, they should have been referred in by another circle. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So I don't want to be referral-driven. I guess I physically want to get kicked in the teeth once a month to know I still got it. Like, when I do it, it's not. <laughs> you are a... He's a glutton for punishment? Yeah, that's, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> but, but, but it's kind of like, hey, I still... I mean, whenever I do it, it's like, I still got it. Or if I, if I do have a cancellation... <laughs> Man, I'm or I'll, I'll stop in on a business or somebody that looks like they're our prospect and, like, walk in and see the owner, and then he buys something that day, and it's like, I still got it. He hey. may have just got a belt, but that was the most... Impactful hey, new client man. I got this month. It was Italian and a thousand dollars. Hey, you look rich. <laughs> you know, I kind of see you as a lot of times as a one man army, but you know, you're talking about your assistant, your team. What do you outsource and kind of these outsourced tasks that you have? When did you know you needed to outsource them? At a point when I was at that having those anxiety symptoms and like those stroke like symptoms, I had to physically write down what I did all day long and remove the $10 an hour work. Hmm. And what I would call now 16, 17, 18, $20 an hour work, but back then it was $10 an hour work. But the stuff that somebody else could do that cared. And then if I removed those things, that would free me up to do my things to actually help and serve more people and like take care of more people. So that point I had had an assistant, I just started becoming more effective about actually giving them their jobs. Before they were just, I need you to do these things. I was still oversight. I still had some grip on it. Whereas now, like, there's two people on the team. One person knows their job. The other person knows their job. I have a job. We do our jobs. We don't commingle. Like, I don't even give my insight on what they should do for their job. Like, that's their role in the team. And because they take over their roles, I'm able to be, like, do my thing. And you actually went to my Taylor's tailor shop. You actually haven't been to my office, I don't think. Oh, really? That wasn't my office. That was just Ooh. her shop. Man, he's like a secret agent over here. <laughs> Damn. I'm never going to let you come to my office, Stadler. So there's actually there's actually an office. I'll get your IP, bitch. <laughs> I know you can. <laughs> Dan one day said, hey, I know where you're at. <laughs> like, yeah, told me exactly where I was at. I was like, freaky. I know yeah. your device. <laughs> oh, man. The, uh, there's an office. There's so far 10 sales professionals on the team. In sure Louisville. there is. Yeah, there is. But there's actually somebody that takes care of all the shipping. That's another person on the team. Everything that comes in gets unboxed, measured, checked in. So that's the team. So when I knew to outsource was when I was having the anxiety. So I, there is one person I use in India for certain stuff. And uh, I pay a whopping $2.63 per task I ask them to do. Yeah, I had no idea. Yep. So that, that list that I gave you last time I saw you that you don't remember, they make all those lists for me. Huh. They make lists for everybody I'm going to see of people that guilty by association, people of who you may know. Interesting. And then I give those cl- those to people, and then whenever you circle a name, they'll enter it in my CRM system. 
Oh, it so then all of a sudden the name will go will populate in the CRM and it's done. And now jo- you got Austin. So. Jordan's living in the future. <laughs> he is living in the future. <laughs> and, and, and for those of you who are not familiar with the boss at our facility, you might hear a little bit of jingling in the background. Uh, she doesn't give a damn that we are recording a podcast. No right regard. Now. Sophie is my dog, but she's also our boss. Um, and she doesn't care about you or anybody else. She's here to do a job, and that's to, sleep. Yeah, that's to expound upon her comfort. She delegates. <clears throat> yeah, but she's master delegator. You had your assistants, but before you were doing all those tasks. Mm-hmm. So, did they change, or did your mindset change? My mindset changed completely. You could trust them, right? Mm-hmm. Is it a matter of trust, or is it something else? It, two things. I had to be willing to give it up, and I had to know that I had to have somebody on my team I could trust to do it. So I had to let them do it before I fully knew they could do it. You have to empower people. They had to, they had to prove it, and then they can do it. And it's just like I personally feel like they have job security. They know they have a point on the team. Like they're not duplicatable. I was with a client uh, Monday, and I had somebody following me that was training, and we were in his office, and he was like, "Hey, uh, did that alteration get?" He 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 asked me to do something to a bunch. I went. I did a closet clean out. I do this to clients if they want me to once a year. Go into their closet. Let's go go through everything that I need to alter, repair to make it fit better. Let's get rid of the stuff that needs to go. Let's replace the stuff that you want to replace. These are for his top client, Stadler. So don't it's look surprised. Me. It's, not me. it's not you. Yeah, he ain't calling on me for this shit. Three times a year. <laughs> quit that look, dude. You're not that dude, Stadler. <laughs> Step up your suit game. Get the Croc shoes, and okay? The, the, the guy he you better was, buy that fucking overcoat. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, uh, he's like, what, what, what happened? what happened to that jacket? What'd you do to fix it? And my exact response to him is, I don't know. I don't know what we did to fix it. I gave it to the person that fixed it and they got it done. And he kind of looked at me and I was like, I don't know. I'm not the physical guy that sews it. (laughs) A lot of times I'm just the guy that I'm the fixer. I'm the guy that just takes care of it. And people want to work with the guy that takes care of it. They don't want to know how I got taken care of this one. No, it's done. Dude, you see a needle and thread in my hands? I <laughs> yeah. didn't think so. And he was like, how did you do that? I, was like, I, I mean, my exact response to the person I was training, it was his second week on the job. He was kind of like, he couldn't believe I said it. I was like, I don't know. I gave it to somebody and they fixed it. I told him what to do. I told him the problem. I know what they should have done, but I don't know exactly what they did. Say I'm a first-time buyer of custom-fit clothing. I need a clothier. What do I do? I don't know. Like, I'm un- uneducated in that fact, Jordan. Tell me about myself. What do I need to start? Do I need uh, three suits? Do I need how many slacks? As what am I supposed to do? Business man. Business. So I start most people off with what's called a sample wardrobe. And I try to ask a lot more questions to dig deeper, but I'm going to give a general sample wardrobe. So let's say you're a business owner. Let's say you were very successful at your last job. You made X amount of money a year. You saved your money. You decided you wanted to go off on your own and start your own thing. You wanted to go into competition against Stadler. And then you said, hey, I'm going to do it. So now now you have to represent your brand. So let's say you don't really even know what you need. So I would say, hey, you need a sample wardrobe. So what's that? So we would start you off with a suit and maybe a couple sport coats with two or three pants that match each sport coat with four shirts. So if you got three pants that match each sport coat, that's now six outfits if you just wore a white shirt. But then you introduce four shirts that match each coat and then four shirts that match each suit. How many outfits you got? Do that in your head real quick. 4,227. <laughs> wow, that's Done. really good mathematics. <laughs> hey. So, But if you look at a man's wardrobe, if you look at his closet, most guys are like, I got a packed closet. It's usually 10 feet wide, and they wear 12 items. Yeah, damn straight. For sure. So, so what I just told you is to buy one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten items. Ten. Going now. <laughs> ten items. But ten <laughs> items that work like over 40 outfits. And it's like, that's how I start most people. That's money well spent. And then everything goes with each other. So whenever it's clean, just wear it. Are you saying I got to do laundry like uh, once every three months? Well, if you wore more than like T-shirts and shorts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Works for me. It's legit, man. I mean, but that's a sample wardrobe. So, I mean, that's not even me really knowing. So I would throw a pair of jeans in that mix, too. So, Hell yeah. So, so the jeans that match the But that, that first-time suit buyer, say, say it's me. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking notes or, you know, getting nah, advice or anything nah, for free. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, you, got, you offer free alterations for life. It's relationship selling. We get that. How are you making any money off that? If it's fixed for life, then, you know, I'm set. What do you mean alteration-wise? 
Well, I mean, you do alterations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, mean, dude, I, I tell you, it's like, hey, man, I need this changed. I mean, I have not gotten bigger. The suits have gotten smaller since I bought them. Um, they do shrink. But I give it to Jordan, and jo- I'm, I'm like, Jordan, this is getting too tight for me. He's like, all right, cool. Got it. And then he comes back, and all of a sudden, my suits fit. So, well, I'll put, I'll put, I'm going to give you that answer. There's a point of no return. So what that is is there's a certain extent to where you've altered something in and out so much, it's, like, not salvageable. Oh, okay. You see what I'm saying? Like, let's say you have a pair of pants and you lost 30 pounds from a fad diet. I altered those in. Then all of a sudden life happened and you gain 40 back. And I let those out as much as I can. And you go in and out so much, like, there's stress on the fabric. And it's like you just wear it down. It's like you break something. Like, you just, there's something called threadbare where the, where the actual threads rub together so much it'll actually wear through. You've had clothing that's done it. Okay. And then plus stuff just becomes outdated. Yeah. Like, you Different. put stuff on and... You know it with your pants you gave me like You're six, outdated. seven, eight months ago. Like the legs were like Michael Jordan legs, and you want yeah, legs that are narrower. But back when you got those, you loved them. But now it's like, eh. that's actually true. Yeah. It's like now you're like, ah, it's not what I see everything else. I want it narrower. So there's a point where it's like, eh, you got to replace that. Are you saying Stadler was too legit? Too quit. legit, too quick. Correct. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Did I answer your question? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, so. d- you, you deliver value. So you said, how do you make money on this? It's like, so with Tom James, we own the entire process. So what the process is, is the freaking fields that it comes from, to the woolen mills that it's made from, to the factories it's manufactured out, to the sales force delivers it. So it's kind of like the Ashley Furniture model for suits. I mean, they own the tanneries, the, the, the you know, yeah. farms that produce the hides. All here's, the your, here's your million-dollar business word. Vertical integration. Correct. Oh, snap. That's what it is. so small. Way too expensive MBA gets you. So the, the ironic thing <laughs> is if you look at our, let's say our mid-level suit, I can go to, so the cool thing about our factories is we private label for clients. So let's say you may go into a store and put on a suit. You may own a suit that we made. It may have been made to that client's specifications, but we have, may have made it. So the funny thing is because we're vertically integrated, a client may have got a suit from us. I can walk in and see it. They may be selling it for $2,200, $2,500. You may be getting it from me for $1,200. So it's like most Super people cool. don't know that value, but it's just like I can look at it and be like, hey, man, like That's a Tom you can go there and get a ready-made suit for $2,000 or you can get it from me better for $1,200. <laughs> it's like what do you want to do? Now, granted, I have stuff that's, all, that's more – I have a lot more high-end than that, and I have a lot – I have lower end than that. So. so what you're saying is there is an opening for some suit arbitrage <laughs> in your mix. And if I were an yeah. enterprising person, I could open up a, a suit shop and get Jordan to make all my suits <laughs> and sell them for more money. Sounds like a profitable business right there. I mean, you know, it sounds pretty snazzy. So <laughs> that's how that's how we do it. It's like we, we have competitors. Like during the last recession, we didn't go red. It was still in the black. Nice. We didn't go red at all because our competitors were still buying from the woolen mills. They were still buying at our factories. Like we were, we the sales force was producing stuff as well as our competitors were that were using our factories. Like we own a large market share of the American factories that make clothing. Not all of them, but a large share. So can you get just about anything? Anything what's, but gym clothes. Okay. What's 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 the the craziest suit you've ever built? I'm just curious now. We're, in, we're off in tangents. We're in the weeds. Bamboo buttons? I make what's called signature suits where I can write whatever you want in a pinstripe. Ooh. So I can put your name up and down here. <gasps> You're talking about uh, McGregor's style suit uh, you can write before he fought f- Mayweather? You? Yeah. F you all over the F suit. You. We haven't said the F. We haven't. So, maybe so, I dropped so mind you, I did. I guarantee you dropped I it. Yeah, yeah, I might have dropped it too. So F- Tom F- James didn't make that suit. Tom James is a Christian-based company. So Ooh. we don't make those things. If it got slipped through one of our factories, it may have, but I don't think we made We specifically to make his suit. He uses somebody in Vegas, but they well, may have got the fabric from us. I don't know. For certain. I mean, you know, I've asked you to put some stuff inside of suits before that you're like, <laughs> nah, man, we're not going to put that inside of your suit. And I said, really? You seriously going to do that? I'm going to get a custom-made suit and you're not going to put it? He says, nah. <laughs> and I said, okay, whatever, man. I'd just rather you make the suit. <laughs> you were definitely judged on well, that I mean, day. I knew it was right. I mean, he judged me on that day, and I mean, fortunately, he still comes around. You so. have been weighed and measured, Stadler. You asked the question, how does a new person get started? I would, If you are ever looking for somebody that does what I do, 
So I would highly recommend working with someone. So what does that mean? Working with the same individual that fits you start to finish. Yeah. Notice I say individual. Like, there's nothing that substitute fitting somebody other than the physical eyes. Like, we have algorithms. Like, every time I make something for somebody, we take pictures of that client, and there's an algorithm that checks the pictures versus my measurements, but my measurements always supersede the algorithm because my eyes don't lie with how something is supposed to fit. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm physically the guy that's, like, measuring you. I know what it's supposed to feel like, whereas a picture may not pick that up. So I say work with somebody that's – work with somebody that is fitting you start to finish. I say somebody. Like, you got to work with somebody that's actually measuring you. So what you're saying is the augmented reality or artificial intelligence eye that might be scanning somebody for a custom shirt isn't as accurate as the dude or chick that knows exactly how shit's supposed to measure. What? Or that how it's supposed to fit, because you're not even get to, you don't know what fit is. Like, there may be a checkbox. Yeah, of, Stadler. You know, you, there may be a checkbox. I of, don't, man. I don't know anything. I mean, I just talked to Jordan. I'm like, hey, man, should I get this? But so, I think about this. So, there may be a relaxed fit, an easy fit, a standard fit, a slim, a super slim. And you're like checking a box. You're like, I don't know what the hell I need. Versus when you can talk to somebody and you can show them what you like and don't like, where are you going to actually get the best results? I mean, if it rhymes, it's probably true. <laughs> the eyes don't lie. Straight up. Straight the club up. doesn't fit. Oh, my god. You must have quit. You must have quit. It's got to be true. So it's work with somebody true. that's actually physically measuring you because they can get to the eighth of an inch. Do you have any parting words for people looking for suits, trying to look fine, or people trying to get in this industry? You know, do they want to be a tastemaker? Do they just want to serve? Parting words is what you see on TV is not necessarily what you need to be wearing. So what you see on ESPN in the afternoon. <laughs> what? Cam Newton doesn't have it right? So most of the time that stuff was wheeled in by somebody and told to wear. By another, Word. They're told, hey, pick what you want, wear what you want. Not everybody, but don't just wear what you see on TV. That's not what's best for you. You are not an athlete that makes $10 million a year. That you can do what you want. I can yeah. dress like Russell Westbrook if I want to, guys. <laughs> you can indeed because you work in a very flexible work environment, and we welcome you, Austin. Yes. You are a delicate flower, and we love you. <laughs> it's a spectrum. <laughs> Next, if you want to get into my industry, it's you just have to contact somebody in my industry, and they'll take you on in an apprenticeship. So can they contact you? Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Ooh. I can directly be contacted and pointed. I'll point anybody in the right direction. Yeah, Jordan's an accessible dude, man. I think it's your cell phone's on it, the page. Yeah, I don't it care. works. You call, can. text, whatever. I may not pick up after six, but I'll call you back. Yeah. That's all good, man. He has Keystone points. Here at El Toro, <laughs> we have Keystone points. Hey, man, when he's rat killing tomorrow morning, he's going to call you or email <laughs> you. It's all good. <laughs> hey, I've had two people in my entire career that's gotten mad at me for texting them back before 6.30. Really? Most people don't care. <laughs> like, okay, Mine's on silent or do not disturb. Exactly. Yeah, I, do not the disturb The two people that got mad at me, I'm like, why is your phone on ringer? Like, my phone personally gets 119 emails at night. Does yours ring all night for that? Yeah. yeah. If, <laughs> if, if you have a suit emergency at 5 a.m. or at like 11.30 p.m., you need to reanalyze your life. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, you should have bought two suits from him Truth. instead of one. Yeah. <laughs> Cheapskate. Yeah. yeah. Jackass. Crocodile shoes. <laughs> Get them. So, Jordan, thank you for coming in today. Really appreciate your time. Man, uh, you've shared quite a bit of wisdom with us but uh once again truly appreciate uh what you bring to the table here truly appreciate the time you spent with us today um thanks so much man welcome you've been listening to the straight from the bull podcast from el toro studios brought to you by el toro.com where we target people not pixels you're like i mean what was you they did that you you're like i don't know